big day for Rutgers. Our Rutgers go over here. We're going to war. We stopped by New Jersey and picked them up. You got to get on the bus. And who's the driver? Me. Welcome to episode two of the Rutgers Riot Squad podcast. As always, I'm Malik Krathim. I'm joined by Alyssa Payone and Frankie Saracino. Alyssa and Frankie, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty okay. Um, you know, <laughs> it's been a tough week here, as everyone knows, but I'm I'm ready to go. I'm excited for the Big Ten tournament. How about you? Clean slate. Big Ten tournament coming up. I mean, listen, we can't dwell on the losses like... Oh. Like I was saying before, new tournament. We're ready. I'm ready. Here we go. So I guess we can talk about the uh, the week that we've had since we last recorded. I was actually not here for most of that week. I was in Minneapolis for the Big Ten Women's Tournament, which Rutgers lasted two games in. They beat Northwestern and then unfortunately fell to Woo! Illinois. But uh, yeah, Coquies Washington finishing off her first year. Uh, definitely a lot to uh, definitely a lot to grow on. Uh, got some got some good pieces for the future. For sure. I mean, to go from where the program was last year to where it is now, um, having Smichael, I mean, just dropping like almost what was she dropping? Like twenty points a game. Yeah, she was the, the end. she was the only player on Rutgers to score twenty points in a game this year, and she did it like fifteen times or something like yeah. that. Wow. I mean, she was a tremendous true freshman and winning a game in the tournament in the first year is definitely something uh to continue to improve on. So I'm really excited for the future for that program. Yeah, so I, uh, I guess we can talk about some of the things that happened on campus. Well, I was unfortunately gone. So Frankie and Alyssa, you guys want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Thursday night, we had a watch party for the Rutgers-Minnesota game. Um, we all know how that went for everyone, but um, we had it in the men's basketball locker room. Um, which was a really, really, really awesome experience. Athletics always hooks us up with that. Um, and they gave us the opportunity to play on the JMA courts before the game, so we were able to shoot around, um, see what it's like to just play basketball on the court, which was really cool, really fun experience. Um, and then to go in and watch the game in the state-of-the-art locker room. Um, it's really awesome. Food and drinks provided, um, by athletics, so they really hooked us up, and it was a great experience. Um, other than the last second collapse in the game, but um, thank you to everyone who set that up, and it was really awesome, and we really do appreciate it. Um, I think it was one of our biggest events of the year. Um, it was a lot of fun. We did it last year as well, um, and uh, we did not get a win but that's okay um we decided that we're not going to be doing watch parties for the rest of the, the basketball season but um, or ever again or ever again to be honestly. honest because we have <laughs> lost every single game this season that we've had a watch party for and we've like won a good chunk of road games too yeah so it's not like it's yeah. like oh we've won a, a lot of uh i mean pardon me it's not like we've lost a lot of games on the road. Yeah. It's that we've won a lot of games on the road, too. But it just happens to be every time there's a Riot Squad watch party. Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't happen. So the watch parties we had, what was it? It was pa- it was Ohio State. Okay. So it was Miami. It was Miami. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Which we were up 11 at one point, I believe. Yep. Ohio yeah. State. Which we all know Foul how that went. three. We know what happens from yep. there. Mm-hmm. Indiana. Um, Indiana. And then Michigan State as well. Michigan State. And Minnesota. And Minnesota. Minnesota. There's got to be one more. Is there one more? I think that might be all no, of them. I think but I mean, it. that's already enough evidence. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't even think we got to go. <laughs> I mean, seeing the two biggest collapses of the year, it's just enough to be like, no, I've had enough. And I mean, you know, basketball season is a long season. Um and it's a sport where any team can win on any given day. You've seen D2 teams come in 
and beat D1 teams. You've seen Stephen F. Austin go into Cameron Arena, upset Duke. We did beat them that year, though, when they came to the rack. Just saying. Yes. Um, (laughs) You saw, um, like, Iowa lost to some D2 team earlier this year, right? Iowa and Michigan both lost to teams in, like, the 350s in Ken Palm. Yeah. And then Seton Hall lost to Siena. Like, there's been a whole... It happens. You know, it's a long season. Um, but seeing such a rough loss late in the season is tough. But, yeah, you know, the watch party was fun. No no more. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's talk about uh, just our game day experience for Northwestern Senior Day. I thought the senior ceremony was really nice. Um, it's going to be really sad to not see all of them next year. Um, yeah. I mean, I was really moved, especially when Caleb came out. Yeah. Um, Because it's going to be sad not to see those guys and knowing that this is for sure his last game in the Jersey Mike's arena. I mean, you don't know what everyone else is going to be doing, but definitely Caleb um, knowing this may be his. Well, this was his last game is just very sad. Yeah, I mean, Caleb has been here pretty much the entire time. And he was here five years. His first season was the same freshman season as Rod Harper Jr. where You know, they weren't exactly established as, like, a good team yet. Uh, They were still trying to, like, make their way through the rebuild. So it's like he's been here for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I mean, he is is one of the nicest people you will ever meet. If you catch him around campus, he's going to be smiling. He'll stop and talk to you. I mean, we've seen him through so many events, and he's just really a down-to-earth, really great uh, person. So He's also one of the funniest. If you ever, like, have a conversation (laughs) with him, he's one of the funniest guys you'll talk to. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he will be missed, but um, we're happy that he just won Defensive Player of the Year. He did. Just announced today. Yes. Co-Defensive Player of the Year along yep. with Northwestern's Chase Audige. And he was the um, first um, back-to-back de- Defensive Player of the Year winner um, in almost three decades. So I believe wow. 2004 was the last time. Really? Yeah, okay. 2004. Um, yeah, I, I would assume... I would assume that it hasn't happened at Rutgers, a back-to-back defensive player of the year, in, in a long time. Yeah. Uh, maybe ever. I haven't really checked that. But, yeah, I thought senior day was a really fun uh, – the festivities were really fun. Uh, uh, the athletics interns, they gave us some numbered balloons to hold up. That was fun. Um, it was, you know, a 1, a 4, a 5, a 22, and a 23. So that was really that was really well done, you know. If you look on all the social media, you can see us like holding up our balloons with the with the guy in the background of all the guys. That was really well done. Now, didn't you hold the balloon? Okay, well, <laughs> what what was going on there? Like, okay, when so, Gavin was okay. So yes, we can get into that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I want to know. So Gavin Griffiths, the five star recruit coming in next year for Rutgers, was at the game, um, and they showed him on the video board. He got a standing ovation, all that, and me still holding the three balloon from the twenty three for Andrew Fullen. Uh, I was holding the balloon up because, you know, he's number or he is number 33. I'm not sure if he's going to not sure what number he's going to wear in college yet, but he wears number 33 right now in high school. Um, so I thought, hey, you know, it'd be really cool <laughs> if I held up that balloon because that's his number. So I did. And the big screen guy got me on camera doing it. And then I held up, you know, a little, like a number three on my hand because I didn't have another one. So it was like 33. Um, and I was wondering why people were like shouting my name and all of that. And then once the guy, once the camera switched to someone else, I, I turned. I think Alyssa was the one that was like, it, it was backwards again. I was like, wait, what? And I looked and I realized I was holding the number three upside down. So that it was a backwards three. Yeah, I was, I didn't know what you were doing. Yeah. Um, I was like, why is his number eight? <laughs> What's going uh, on See, here? I was What's trying to do a 33. I, that, that, was my, that was my attempt. And then, oh, by the way. Um, I'm pretty sure while Andrew Fulham was being like recognized for his senior night, I was trying to hold up 23. I'm pretty sure I held that backwards and I had 32. You were on a roll. I was, yeah, it was bad. That's why I, that's why I was said like, not again. Listen, it was, it was a disaster. It was not the only crazy thing at the rack. Okay? No, Let's no. Let's talk about how the rack was on fire. Literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, later on in the first half, I believe it was, like, right about the under four or something like that. It was, like, the three-minute one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There was, like, you know, there was an out-of-bounds or something like like that. And then the game all of a sudden stopped. And I didn't see what was going on at first. Um, I saw the teams go to their benches. I saw Pat Hobbs coming out to talk to an official. I was like, wait, what's this guy doing? Is he going, like, rogue or something? Is he going to pick up a technical for the entire arena or something? And then you get the fire marshal. Yeah, and then I saw, like, the cops coming out. Everyone's at, like, midcourt talking about this. Yeah. I, and yeah, I saw the cops coming out and then 
I hear people yelling and pointing up towards the ceiling. I was like, what the heck is going on? And then we are all looking up and we see there's a speaker that's above the scoreboard in the rafters that is on fire. Like there are flame, you can see flames in inside of it. Inside of it. Yeah. And then all the, I look to the right and I see like a plume of smoke going towards the 300. So I was like, oh man, I can't even imagine what these people are going through right now because yeah. they got like a whole thing of smoke coming after them. Yeah. My, um, it was my pop's first game. Um, and he can't really walk that well. And uh, he was kind of in the one of the first sections. So I call my dad. I'm like, you need to get him out of here. Like, I was freaking out. I was like, but, you know, he's just sitting eating his popcorn and mind his own business. He doesn't care. Like, you know. But, I mean, it was pretty hectic. It was kind of funny. Like, everyone was like, do we evacuate? Do we stay here? And we're like, we got a game to play. Like, we're staying. Yeah. Like, well, the funny thing was there was about, about uh, 75 or so people that, you know, left and went to the concourse. And shout out Max Shiner of the Are You Screw podcast. He was one of those people. He said on the newest episode, he said, you know, I'm not dying. I'm not dying in the rack. <laughs> and the funny thing was, uh, this is something that was said on the episode. He, he told us a story about how, you know, he was talking to Jay Wright back when he was at Hofstra, when he when he was a student here. Um, and he was talking to him when, as a member of WRSU. He, he said that Jay Wright said that he, you know, wanted to build something like the rack at Hofstra, but they could not because it wouldn't pass fire code. That's, oh my gosh. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, now I we guess. See why. Yeah. I guess. Well, I mean, when you saw it go up in smoke, it was almost like a oh crap. Yeah. But the fact that later on, I was thinking about this. I'm like, nobody really cared. Yeah. And there was like a split second that I was like, hey, they may not play this game mm-hmm. if this speaker catches more on fire because that's it a hazard. Out, it went out by itself. But, like, as we all know, fire burns. It burns upward, and it was towards the bottom of the speaker. It would have burned up, and uh, who knows what would have happened. But thank goodness it went out. Um, Yeah, I thought I remember the PA announcer saying, you know, we're going to turn the speaker off for the rest of the first half, and then at halftime we're going to bring it down and, like, extinguish it or whatever, and then it went out. Um, But I was thinking, like, during halftime, I was like, all right, are they bringing this thing down or what? So, actually... Pretty funny story. So my mom texted me before the game because um, one of her friends, uh, her son plays on the town's like club basketball team. So it's like the Springfield Minutemen. And they were supposed to play um, in the halftime game like most like travel or rec programs do sometimes at Jersey Mike's. And um the kids didn't get to play, unfortunately, because they were all making sure the speaker was good and everything was okay with that. But it's pretty crazy because the kids were all there ready to go and uh, they didn't get that opportunity. So maybe next year uh, they'll be able to get out on the court during halftime. So. Yeah, that was a uh, definitely a wild affair um, at, the, uh, at the game. Unfortunately, Rutgers could not find a way to get a victory on Sunday night over Northwestern. So now their hopes lie in uh, in the Big Ten tournament. So um, I guess if uh, if we have any other any any other things that we have planned for this week, if you guys want to take that away. So really, there's not too much going on on campus right now, and we will not be doing any type of viewing, watching, seeing, looking, no watch partying, none of that. No um, watching that or partying. No going watching on. Or- um, one of my friends even suggested we should just listen, a listening party, and I vetoed that as well. And then he's like, maybe we should do Morse code. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, it was Nathan. <laughs> Shout out, Nathan. Um, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, there won't be anything going on on campus. Um because we're heading into spring break right now, which is exciting. So, Much needed break. Hopefully, we get a nice weekend of basketball ahead of us. And uh, we get an even nicer week next week where we'll do some uh, little vacationing, traveling. Oh, so, yeah. we'll, we'll see. see. Now, before, before we go to our next thing, I, I have a funny story about watching slash partying. Do tell. So, last year, it's Selection Sunday. Um... And as we know, last year, Rutgers had a bit of a stressful selection Sunday because we weren't sure what was going to happen. But, I mean, we were in the first yeah. bracket. Yeah. So that was that was good. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, because, thank goodness for what I'm about to say. Because I thought my 
you know, my less than intelligent self thought that there was some <laughs> kind of event happening for Selection Sunday at like the yard or something. Um, that was not the case. There, oh. there, there was nothing happening at the yard. And for those who don't remember, last year on Selection Sunday, the weather gods decided, let's have a snowstorm in March. Oh, I don't remember that. So silly old me went over to the yard in oh. New Brunswick, parked my car, got out. It started snowing. And I watched the selection show on the big screen at the yard by, by myself <laughs> with snow coming down on me. Was there like a soul Main character you? moment. Was, no. Actually, there might have been two people around me. Okay. And it was, I, I mean, I didn't know them. But yeah, it was just me. Um, so that was a funny scene that happened last year. Um, I and I could have saw it. Yeah. Well, thank goodness Rutgers ended up being in the first region that they announced <laughs> because I may or may not have gotten frostbite and or hypothermia if not. Did you just, did you leave? I left. Good? Yes, I left. Yeah. I, 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 shame, <laughs> I, sh- I shamefully drove home and then I made it back to the yard a couple days later for the, for where that was an actual watch party for the first four games. What did you tell your family and friends? You were like, hey, I just drove to Rutgers for absolutely no reason. That's, that's pretty much exactly what I told them. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> well, we hope uh, this selection Sunday is better for you, Alex. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> um, but with that, next we have an we uh, we talked to a, a couple of uh, a couple of rivals, I guess you could say. We talked to uh, Jake Skolnick and Emily Vandenbosch of uh, Maze Rage, the student section for Michigan basketball. So on the Riot Squad podcast, you're going to hear that right now. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rutgers Ride Squad podcast. And then uh, we also have two more very special guests today. If you, uh, if you guys want to introduce yourselves, go right ahead. Uh, I'm Jake Skolnick. I am the vice president of the Maze Rage, which is the Michigan student section for basketball. And my name is Emily Vandenbosch. I am the diversity and sport chair for the Maze Rage. So happy to have you guys on, and especially coming in from Michigan. Super busy week with the Big Ten tournament. Are you got? Do you guys have any plans of like traveling out, or do you think anyone's going to make it out there from Michigan? We have a few people that plan on going. The university did offer us tickets as a, like to all the students, but there are not any group plans to go because I mean people just came back from spring break this past week, so it's kind of tough with the first week back. So I know people that are going, but nothing that's organized as of now. Right. Yeah, we have a small crew of two people going. <laughs> they decided to uh, make the trip. Um, but I think everyone else will be watching from New Brunswick and home because spring break is coming up this week. So Yeah, yeah. Um, we definitely want to get out. I mean, hopefully uh, we beat you guys, but... <laughs> nothing personal. Yeah, nothing personal. So. No, no personal offense taken. So tell us about um, any events you guys had within your organization, um, anything you, any of your favorite events that you had this year that you guys remember, something like that. I'll take it. Um, yeah, so big thing is that we do every year. We always have a trip to Michigan State. We go to the Breslin Center, which one of the top environments in the country, especially in the Big Ten. It's always a fun trip to go there, even though we haven't won there since 2018. It's always a fun trip. Uh, we usually carry about 50 students uh, sponsored through the athletic department, and we get a big group in the upper bowl, and we just love to cheer up there. Their, their parents hate us, and it's that's the rivalry, but it's – it's always a good time because it's a quick hour trip. You, you're there and back in a day, but it's always a great time going there and seeing what other Big Ten arenas have to offer. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, the, we really don't have anything too similar to that just because the closest school would be like, what, like three and a half, three hours to like Maryland? Yeah, Maryland's probably the closest. And then Penn State would be like three and a half. close to three and a half, four. Um we just recently made the trip out there. That was a really great experience. Um, we'd be looking to do that more in the future. But definitely something closer would be like Seton Hall. But since that's not in conference, it's really like nothing. Uh, like what you guys can experience with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, having that in-state rival is amazing. I mean, I know I know Seton Hall is like the big in like in-state rival in New Jersey, but there's no real – since you guys are on the East Coast, it's not – like real Big Ten country. So when when you're in the Midwest, I mean, you have five schools within that three and a half hours-ish, probably five to six schools. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I mean, it gives you guys the ability to like travel 
um, if you really wanted to like put it together and put together a lot of trips for the year, you definitely do it. So. Yeah, we did something similar. I mean, we just went to Penn State. And I don't know if you guys saw that game reference with Penn State. I mean, I'm sure you did, but uh, it was pretty, pretty crazy. It was a great trip. We just talked about it on our latest podcast, but uh, that was really fun. That was probably one of my favorite events for sure. Yeah, I remember seeing that game. That was crazy because that was – I think that was right after uh, we yes. beat Wisconsin. It was right after, yes. yep, because yep. we were watching it on the bus. Yeah, there. oh, yeah, Oh, yeah. so that, that was the Hunter Dickinson, like – That was the shot. Like the shot, right. yeah. So what was that like? Um, It was unbelievable. Uh, both me and Emily were there for it. Wow. Our student body, that was the first day of spring break, so it wasn't as good of a turnout because the university doesn't allocate – that much tickets when we're on spring break but i mean being there for that it was crazy there is actually a video that's been going around i know a bunch of uh popular media groups were posting it from uh, the perspective of the student section and you could just hear emily in the background when hunter got the ball just screaming shoot and i mean being there it's just everyone was jumping on top of each other and when we hit that shot i mean the uh, atmosphere in chrysler was already crazy but once we hit overtime, we knew that game was in our hands because they they weren't letting that slip away after how many games we have let slip away throughout this season. I mean, listen, Emily, I'm with you here. Like, whenever I see Cliff with the ball, I'm like, you could drive. Like, you know, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, ask anyone in this room. Like, I'm pretty crazy in the front row. I mean, I think you guys can vouch for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um- I'm like the resident like screamer. Um, if I'm just there to like talk and scream, nothing really much else. So that's all you can do it sometimes, you know. You just gotta like leave it all out on the court, you know. I just scream yeah. my head off and deal with the pain later. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you there. I've kind of dubbed myself. I I have given myself the name of the head ride squad lunatic. <laughs> Um, and I think I think the other people here, yeah, self proclaimed. <laughs> I think the other people here can 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 vouch for that too. Yeah. Um, so as we talked about, like you guys said, they didn't give you a lot of ticket allocations for students um, during the spring break. Um, so what's really like the process like for you guys getting tickets and the game day experience overall um, at Michigan? Because yeah. at so basically what happens is when you buy season tickets for um, our big three sports here, football, basketball, and hockey, you once you buy your plan, basketball is a little bit different here. What there is is something called claim periods, and it's basically a set of games that you order your tickets to. Even if you have season tickets, you still have to go through this, and right. you get those tickets for free. You don't have to pay on top of what you pay for season tickets, but they just want to make sure that – the tickets are going to people that are actually going to go to the games because, I mean, in basketball, it's the most important thing to have a good student presence to make sure that the home atmosphere is there. So once you have your tickets, um, you can go to the game. And for our Big Ten games, we have something called the wristband policy. Okay. And how that works is uh, it's based on how many games you attend. You can get put in a priority line to go to the game and well, you have to show up to the arena two hours before and no later than an hour and a half before. And you get put in that priority line and you get to enter before any of the general students get to it enter. So usually before gates open, we have between for big games, about 500 to 1,000 students outside. And we have about 2,800 tickets allotted for students. So we get a good turnout early to get on the opponent's. Yeah, no, that's really cool how they give you that wristband um, opportunity just because, like, it gives the students who are committed to it and who have been, like, staying around, like you guys said, for, like, spring break um, or just, like, making personal sacrifices to get out to the game a uh, better opportunity. Um, yeah. And then you don't yeah. have to wait around for crazy amounts of time. Um, yeah. So when we, in, in the past, this is actually the first year we have done this wristband system. It's a digital thing where the athletic department will send it out to you. But in the past, what we did was, which was something very special to me, my, I'm a junior now, so last year, Michigan State's obviously our biggest game. So what we used to do instead of having digital wristbands, we would have to line up at our volleyball arena at seven in the morning to get paper wristbands 
and that would be um, how you saved your spot in line. And then you have to go back to the arena two hours before the game for the Michigan state game. People will camp overnight outside and usually that game's in February. So it'll be single digits outside and people will be tenting. People will be layered up in five layers and it's, Always a special experience. My, I mean, last year our game against them got canceled due to COVID, but I've heard from upperclassmen stories of people being out there 7 p.m. the night before, 6 p.m., camping outside for 12 hours, which, I mean, that's just the culture here. People love the basketball team here. No, that's really awesome. Um, I mean, definitely not having you guys wait outside at 7 a.m. outside the volleyball arena sounds much better. Um but that's definitely a really cool thing uh, that they offer because I know that every different school does a totally different system for basketball tickets, whether it be a lottery, um, first come first serve, um, season tickets, like it really just depends on the school. And it's cool to know like what different schools do. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I know that when we went to Penn State, they had, I think their students had to pay like $10 to get in from what I heard. So that was, I was a little shocked about that. I mean, I don't know, a little weird. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's good that we have one flat rate and you have to, don't have to worry about it past that. I guess one question I had, so you mentioned the big three, obviously football and basketball, but hockey, at Rutgers, we don't really have a hockey team. We have like a club team, but it's kind of like D2. So I guess that's like your big third sport. What's it like having, you know, a, a primo big 10 hockey program? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, right now, we're ranked fourth in the country and um, getting, well, we're in the midst of playoffs right now. We have um, the semifinals coming up this next weekend. But I mean, the Children of Yost is our student section for hockey and they are absolutely wild. And it's a great atmosphere for college hockey. I mean, it's one of our arena is Yost Ice Arena. It's one of the most famous in the country. And it's just a great environment where the students really have a passion for hockey. The I mean, Michigan's a huge hockey state. So having not only like a really good team, but also a really good support system is something that's awesome. And you run into people that go to Michigan that aren't really familiar with hockey, but then by the time they graduate, they know all the ins and outs of the game, which is really cool to see. So, yeah, that's actually, that's really cool to learn because, you know, there have been kind of rumblings of, you know, if Rutgers will get a hockey team on the next round of renovations for our facilities and things like that. Uh, So that was really cool. Um, I guess we can talk about future now. So uh, in the Big Ten tournament on Thursday, Rutgers taking on Michigan in the 8-9 game Thursday at noon. So uh, that should be fun. What are your guys' thoughts on, you know, how Michigan ended the season and uh, what do you think this game is going to bring? Yeah, the season ended it you did smiling oh too. you're smiling <laughs> the season ended uh perhaps not in the way we hoped it did but um we're going into the tournament optimistic where we're still thinking about getting a uh, at-large bid or you know even an auto bid you never know what it's going to happen but i think we can get a win or two in the tournament sorry guys but All right all right. Yeah, so. For sure. I mean, yeah. in this tournament, I think any team can make a decent run, which is the craziest part. I mean, you could see Nebraska make a run. Minnesota, come on. No, Let's I don't go. know about that. But, uh, <laughs> I can definitely see like a Nebraska. Hey, I mean, Minnesota beat you guys, so who oh, knows? Yes. yes, they did. Oh, they did. <laughs> they did indeed. They did. And I mean, to be honest, it's kind of hard for things to get worse than it did the last time Rutgers played Michigan in the Big Ten tournament or was supposed to play in the Big Ten tournament. So we can only go upwards from here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, our Big Ten tournament from last year, it can't get much worse. We blew, I think, what was it, a 15-point lead to Indiana in, in the 8-9 game, early early morning Thursday. Oh, yeah. And that, that was terrible. But, um, I mean, this year, we we have the pieces. We definitely have the pieces. We look, we're a team that looks good for about 36 minutes, and then – it gets down the stretch and I don't know what happens, but I mean, we've, we, we have the pieces, the team has the potential and if they catch fire, they're a team to watch out for, I think. So for you guys, who would the keys be for the game? 
Yeah, I mean, going based off of the last time we played you guys uh, at Jersey Mike's, we, I mean, Doug McDaniel had an outstanding like defensive game. Yeah. He was yeah. like shooting lights out defensively. I mean, yeah, crazy. I think he had five steals. Um, but that was probably his best game of the year. I would say overall, Kobe Bufkin is our guy that has been unbelievable this last month. He single, I think I wouldn't say single handedly, but he was the reason we had the best record in the Big Ten in February. We went six and two, and he played unbelievable, averaging 17, 18 points a game and shooting up draft boards in for the NBA. And he's just someone that has really found his stride down the second half of the season. And um, when he gets in the spotlight, he just seems to perform. When he gets in late moments, he likes having the ball in his hands now. So that's someone I would say that can be a big key in this game because if this game is close down the stretch, which I imagine it will be, he's someone that can have that big moment that will take us over the edge potentially. Now, obviously, you know, the, the guy for Michigan's Hunter Dickinson, as we all know, um, some people not around Michigan would say, you know, he's the kind of guy that if he's on your team, you love him. And if he's not, you know, you hate him. Do you think that's, do you think that's an accurate portrayal? I think that's a million percent accurate. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's that's that's who he is. He he does it. He he's said it multiple times. Like he says it on social media all the time. He is the villain, but he doesn't try to play the villain arc. That's just who he is. Like, and the thing is with that, he's built himself to be a type of player where you he's just a pest to play against because he'll always be that presence. He'll always just be in your face, and when you see that he's heating up and you try to double him, you have shooters outside that you also got to worry about now. So he also has all the antics that come along with it, which, I mean, when we played uh, at Wisconsin, when we play actually anywhere on the road, when we play at Illinois, at Indiana, he's always egging on the crowd. He he oh, loves yeah, that. We know. We know. Yeah. He, he's, yeah. He's, he's a character. He's a character yeah. for sure. But um, I mean, we're characters. Too. We give it right back. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, but see, that's the thing. He, I guarantee you, if he was went to a different school, I'm sure we would be we would be doing the same to him. I know for him personally, um, Wisconsin and Maryland have um, not been his friends. He does not like them at all. But um, that's that's I mean, that's for, for all for him to just portray out there. That's just who he is. And he's just being himself out there, which I'm completely OK with because he performs on the court. Yeah, and I guess speaking of Wisconsin, um, we 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 know what happened last year against again when Michigan played Wisconsin. There was an unfortunate incident uh, post game. I guess what well, my question is: What was like? I guess the vibes around maybe not even just campus, but around like the fans of the teams when you know that whole thing was going on and like there was all kinds of outside noise and things like that. Yeah, I mean we we uh, didn't like see it instantly because it like was shown at the very, very end of the broadcast. We were getting blown out that game anyways. Right. And we so were off the TV and you don't see yeah. it until later. And also I remember for that game, we were actually at Chrysler center. There was a big women's game. I think we were playing Iowa that day with Caitlin Clark. Caitlin and, Clark. Yep. yep. We had, we had a huge um, student presence for that game. We have designated pushes that we do for our women's basketball team and we were there for that game. So we were watching the end of it on our phones and the game ended. And then all of a sudden our phones are blowing up from social media. I can't believe Juwan did this. I can, and we're like, what is going on right now? And then we all <laughs> see the clip. And this is at a time the team was winning every other game. They, it was win loss for about a month straight. And it was just inconsistency. And it was, it was definitely tough, but we all had faith because our associate head coach um, is Phil Martelli, who has, a ton of experience in, in the coaching world. He coached at St. Joe's for a long time. He's in the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. And we we did have faith in him. And he actually got us a few key wins down the stretch that brought us to March Madness last year as an at-large, which was really cool to see. One of them was also against us, actually the game right after. And that's why I was saying I didn't think that they were going to be in too much trouble because it's like not very often do you have a Hall of Famer as you know your backup planet head coach. Um, but yeah, I guess... Talk, again, again, we're still talking about this uh, this next game coming up. Um, <clears throat> I guess 
I don't know how much attention you've paid the Rutgers so far since, you know, that game, since that last game at Jersey Mike's Arena a couple of weeks ago. But um, what do you think Rutgers is going to show Michigan on, on Thursday? See, the, th- the thing with that is, I mean, when we were watching, when, personally when I was watching Michigan play Rutgers, at first you guys had us in control. I don't know what happened after those first seven minutes and something just clicked, but I just think our defensive schemes were too much for you guys. I mean, you guys are a very defensive team. I think you're one of the top defenses in the Big Ten, and I think that's no secret to anyone. I don't think that's a secret to either team. I just think if Michigan is going to be able to shut down Rutgers, I think the same game plan is going to be necessary because I don't I don't see um, a Rutgers team that poses too much of a threat on offense, but also we – are a team that has been streaky at times on defense. So I think that's going to be a matchup to watch. And I hope that it comes out in our favor, but we will see what happens with that. I hope that um, the coaching staff and the film crew are just preparing to see what we can do on defense. Yeah, I think that was really well said. I mean, I think from the Rutgers side of it, we definitely need our seniors to step up. We need Caleb McConnell, who just won Defensive Player of the Year, along with Adige. So we definitely need him to step up. Um, we need uh, Paul Mulcahy. He's had a rough patch so far. Didn't play too well last stretch of the game. We definitely need him to step up. He's playing with a bum shoulder, Yeah, too. I mean, both of them are playing pretty hurt. Caleb so. McConnell hasn't practiced at all. He's just playing games because his back is so screwed up. Yeah. And then Paul has, like, a totally messed up shoulder right now. But, yeah. Uh, Hopefully... The, the wild part about that is, you know, Paul Mulcahy, he first hurt that shoulder in the first game of the season when they were up by, like, 20 points that was the loose ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of kind of – That is the craziest part, though. Kind of crazy. But, um, it's hard to shoot when you're shooting shoulders. Yeah. Out. yeah. So, yeah. And, so, I mean, also, you guys losing the Watt mag for the season is definitely tough. One of your best defenders – and that's I feel like that was the key difference when we played you guys last time is we were able to throw our two bigs out there against Cliff and he wasn't really able to get any help to defend. And also on the offensive end, he was struggling because there was just too much congestion in the post and down low that there wasn't really any open looks for him. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Cliff won first team all Big Ten uh, defense, but... I mean, when you're going all out on defense, sometimes it's harder to get it done on both ends of the court, um, which we'll definitely see him work on in the future. But, I mean, he's done a really good job at locking down some of the top centers um, in the league this year. But we'll see. Everything throws gone out the window right now. And, yeah. uh, We're struggling for sure. But, I mean, listen, Thursday's a new day. Hopefully we can uh, figure it out. If not, Tournament chances aren't looking too good, but you never know. The bubble is so weak right now. That's that's what is really um, keeping us in. I mean, what what do you guys think about the bubble right now? Because I just don't see any teams that really. I don't know, like. yeah, I think the whole field as a whole this year is weak. I don't think anyone separated themselves at the top, and the bubble as well. Teams just constantly losing, constantly losing, and. It's, I mean, Penn State has been hot as of late. They had a big win over Maryland this past weekend. That's jumped them off the bubble. You have Wisconsin, who is kind of streaky. You have a lot of Big Ten teams on the bubble as well. But even in the other conferences, it's been tough to see. And honestly, who knows what's going to happen with tournament week because anything could happen in the conference tournaments. And who knows, we could see one team out of nowhere make a run, make, t- maybe take a bid steal somewhere. And also, you could see a team in a Power Six conference come out of nowhere and also bid steal. So the bubble has been fluid the last few weeks, and it, I feel like it's going to be fluid again this week. And especially in Michigan's case, having these last two games go down to the wire into overtime and both of them not falling our way that's been tough for us because if one of those two go a different way, this is a completely different story. And Michigan's probably right there on the, maybe even on the right side of the bubble, which would have been amazing to see, but now we have left ourselves work to do in the big 10 tournament. Now, if we, uh, now I guess we can see, uh, ask, uh, what, what are each of your guys' predictions for not only just Thursday, but if, you know, if Michigan does win, then, you know, maybe what are your predictions for Purdue? And even if they win that, then maybe onwards in the tournament. 
Um, I think we're going to win. I'm going to say it's low scoring, maybe like 65 to 59-ish. That's my score. And then we're going to go to Purdue and we're going to beat them by 30. And then we're going to – I don't know who we would play in the – Michigan State, Iowa. Uh, So out of that bracket. So we'll beat them by like 10. um, And then we're going to the final. And whoever we play, we're going to win. And we're going to get the auto bid. I love it. No, I mean, I think I, I agree with what Emily said. I think it's going to be, I know for you guys, as you said, 65, 59 is pretty high scoring, but for us, I mean, we have been playing in some very high scoring games as a late, in addition to, to them going to overtime, but I think I could see like a 67, 56. I do think we're going to beat you guys. I don't think like, I think we match up pretty well against Rutgers where, if we're we're playing against a team that if they don't catch fire, they could be very streaky at times. I think we saw that in the last game where there were long stretches where Rutgers didn't score. But I think if we do win that game, Purdue's going to be a big challenge on Friday if we get there. And I th- we're obviously we're going to be playing for our tournament tournament lives. We've had probably we've literally had like six chances to get in already to the tournament and we've fumbled at just a small instant on all of them. And um, I think we're going to do it. I do think we're going to do it. We did lose to Purdue at f- by five at home, but Purdue hasn't been the same Purdue they had been in the last couple weeks. So I think that does um, bode well for us. And obviously that matchup, that's Hunter Dickinson versus Zach Eady down low. And when we did play them at, um, at Chrysler Center, we did not have Jet Howard, who – is our our um first team all freshman so he he's going to be an x factor for us always because he can at any minute shoot the ball 100% like literally 100% he did it in Iowa earlier this year where he had like 25 points in the first half and yeah he could he could turn it on in an instant i think that could be a difference so if we do get past Purdue i have no idea what can happen but i feel like Purdue's going to be a really tight game if we do get there you just got to lock down that big guy down low. So we'll see how that goes. I think Dickinson could do it. Um, yeah. That's the case. You locked him down last time in the second half, but he's got to lock him down for a whole game. Yeah. I mean, and if he gets into foul trouble too, which I was, which I was talking about um, earlier today, because that's how we won um, against them on the road, because he got into foul trouble with like a minute um, going into the game. So that's yeah. really what you got to do. I don't know what it is with you guys. You guys just have Purdue's number. I don't know what it is. Purdue's number when they're number one. It's nuts. True. Yeah. Um, It's like this year we have Northwestern's number. Like when Northwestern was like, they were like, they were, they were ranked at one point and then they were like second in the conference by a good margin. And we were two and oh against them with two convincing wins. And we were very, very low in the big 10 at that point. Yeah. The the big 10 is just really weird. It's like, (laughs) <laughs> there's a bunch of there's like there's always one team that'll stick out and then there's a bunch of like are they good are they okay teams um but the thing with Purdue is like you know we talked about Zach Eady but those freshman guards I mean, they start playing like freshmen all of a sudden they're a lot more dangerous which is kind of what we saw when they lost to Indiana twice yeah definitely Indiana's experience is something that's worrying and I mean on the last day of the Big Ten we we were playing them and there was still so much in the air with the seating in the Big Ten and we saw that we would potentially match up with Indiana again and we're like no we don't want that but um I don't know we I think we have a decent draw not not a great one not a bad one but I feel like if our young guys start making noise we are still a very young team if our young guys start making noise together I think we could be a very dangerous team and make a run in this thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have the entire conference minus three teams, which would be Purdue, Ohio State, and Minnesota, decided by three games. So you have 11 teams within three games of each other, which is crazy. Um, And it'll turn out to be the course of – it could be three points in the entire season, which will take you from – second place to 12th place which is insane um but the conference is so tight i think the tournament's going to be really exciting and uh i'm really excited to get it started 
Yeah. And just on, on your point about it being so tight, we were in the situation Sunday afternoon when we were playing Indiana. If we won that game, we were the two seed, but now yeah. we're sitting at the eight seed. That's how it's crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. We were, uh, we were actually sitting in our student section, getting ready for our game to tip off, watching the end of that game, thinking through all the kinds of scenarios. So I mean, it's the big Ten's a wild ride. And I mean, that's what we love about it. And that's what I like to say about the conference tournaments too. It's like, you know, everyone is zero and zero all over here. What you did before doesn't matter. You're all in Chicago now. and All that matters is what you do next. So it should be a fun run. It should be a great time. Very excited. Want to do predictions on the Sure. Yeah, we can do our own predictions. Frankie and Alyssa, if you want to go, if you guys want to go first. All right. So I'm going to go with the Rutgers win, obviously. Um, it's going to be low scoring. I'm going to go... 52. You know what? Scratch that. Alex laughing at me here. Yeah, Jake and Emily are laughing too. They they heard you say 52 and they just like looked in horror. Is is that how many were scoring? (laughs) Yeah. Caleb McConnell, defensive player of the year. All right, scratch that. Ready? (laughs) 59 to 54 Rutgers. That's it. Wow. That's it. Take. Would would that be our lowest? Would that be our lowest point total of the year? But I think by a wide margin it would be. By a margin, we got shooters. Okay. Okay. Yep. I like I like the boldness. I like the boldness. Going for it. All right. Hear me out. Cam Spencer, absolute cash <laughs> in the first half. We're having Rutgers sixty-two, Michigan fifty-eight. Like last time, we're gonna hold them on defense, but this time we're gonna score on offense. Okay. I like it. I mean, I, I think, I mean, when you guys are saying that 62 is a lot for you, that's why I've, I mean, I, I don't know how you guys watch that, that, that must be, it's, that must be horrible to watch that there. It's just miss after miss after miss. I mean, Oh, it's just stop I, after stop after yeah. stop. That's what uh, keeps it going. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like I feel like when I was talking about this with one of my friends actually a couple of weeks ago, I feel like watching Iowa basketball must be the most fun thing in the world because it's just points after points after points. I just and then Rutgers is the exact opposite. I just I it's like watching paint dry almost. I feel like it, it feels like that at first, but I mean, when when the defensive intensity is as high as it is, it kind of cancels it out. Unless, of course, we're, we're talking about like the last few games they played where they like takes where it's like a concerted effort to score 45 points then it's not as fun um but i guess for my prediction i i can't not go Rutgers at this point um got to go Rutgers and i'm going to say you know Rutgers gets a little bit of that offensive spark uh, that they've been missing the last few games i'm going to say Rutgers 68 Michigan 64 i got to keep it with that speed limit you know Steve Peichel's speed limit 65 um, I'm gonna say Rutgers moves on to play Purdue. I can I can see you guys kind of looking at us a little a little weird, but I mean it. I mean if you with that 65 rule, I mean they they mentioned. I know you guys probably weren't watching the broadcast. You were at the game, but they mentioned it on the broadcast for Michigan Rutgers that Pykele was undefeated holding teams under 65. Look what happened in that it was, game. It so was 17 and one. Yeah. Oh, 17 and one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was one something loss. like that. The one loss was probably the worst game of basketball ever played by both teams. It was like 45-43. Um, but that was that was a tough one. Yeah. But I mean yeah. what you guys were saying about like how defense may be like impossible to watch. If you've ever seen like some of the best games at Jersey Mike's Arena, I mean every single defensive possession, you can't even think because it is that loud. I mean, the sound in that building is just crazy. Um, when you're in a tight game and they're on defense, like it's really something to experience. Yeah, that, that's something that I do commend you guys on. I mean, you're, we call them townies, like the locals, they're, the general crowd at Rutgers, I mean, you could hear it through the TV. It's loud. It is loud there. It's it's up there with Mackie. It's up there with Assembly Hall. It's up there with the Breslin Center. It's uh, like you're general population loves Rutgers basketball loves getting the crowd up that's something we've been struggling with but we've been getting better at it recently the Michigan State game the Wisconsin game down the stretch we had our the entire arena was up for large portions of the game being loud but yeah I mean I I get what you're saying with those those possessions those defensive possessions when it needs to be loud in that arena we get those 
when when we have big momentum swings and like big possessions, you'll see the entire arena up getting loud. But I mean, watching I I feel like watching that for a whole game might be might be a little bit tough. But I, I see how after a while you can get used to it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot of fun. I mean, when it's so loud, you can't even think. Um, it's definitely just a crazy experience, um, especially during some of the games we had early on in the year. Ohio State, when that game went into overtime, Mag hits the three and the place just erupted. We had our 12th guy off the bench, Aiden Terry, hit a huge three to go up like 35 on Minnesota. And the building just shook because if you've ever seen Aiden Terry play, he's 5'10", little dude, and he doesn't, doesn't come off the bench until you're up by, like, 30. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the reason why I've gotten used to, like, you know, having – I don't know about having fun, but, you know, really <laughs> rocking with, like, a defensive style of plays because, I mean, when was the last time Rutgers was really an elite offense, consistently an elite offensive team? That's true. Not, not very often. So, I guess Can't we've remember. kind of – yeah – We've kind of developed that identity and like rocked with it. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think Iowa basketball is a ton of fun to watch, except when we're playing them because for some reason, Fran McCaffrey just seems to have Steve Peichel's number. Yeah, um, it's just a team that shoots lights time. out. No. We do not watch a matchup well at all against them. Absolutely. Yeah. Never have. That, but then, that's like, the way to beat Rutgers. You'll see the, some nights that Iowa scores only like 50 and you're like, how did they just pop off for 90? Yeah. And like it just makes no sense sometimes. But I saw this, I saw this a little while ago. Their home road splits. I think they score like 15, 20 more points at home than on the road. It's crazy. I mean, the way the way to beat Rutgers is to be able to shoot the three ball well. And that's something that they're excellent at. So I mean, if you if you guys do see them down the line, that could be a tough matchup for you guys, but that's just it's an interesting style of basketball. I mean, when we play, we played at Iowa this year. We didn't play them at home. It was just points, 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 and we're like, everyone's hitting their shots. And I was, I was actually talking to one of my friends about this. I'm like, do they have to check the rims at uh at Hawkeye Arena? That are are they wider? Because it seems everyone hits their shots because there. I don't like know why. Certain certain games, you think like, okay, like they're gonna cool down, like it'll cool down eventually, and then it doesn't, like. Sometimes it averages out to the mean, but in Iowa's case, sometimes they just make every single shot. Yeah, so I guess with that, we will uh, we'll close it out for this Ride Squad podcast. We want to thank Jake and Ryan from Maze Rage, the student section of Michigan basketball, for coming on uh, and giving us some of your time to talk about Michigan. So thank you guys for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We'll see what happens on Thursday, but best of luck to you guys, and hopefully we beat you. I know you're going to say the opposite, but should be a good game regardless. Absolutely. should be a great game. Rutgers and Michigan playing each other on Thursday at noon, if you're listening to this before Thursday. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys all for listening to the Rutgers Riot Squad podcast. We will uh, we'll hear from everyone again, hopefully soon. We'll see how this uh, these, next few, these next few days go for Rutgers. So, uh, with that, we thank you guys all for listening, and uh, – Hope to catch you next time on the Riot Squad podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. Peace.